Hello and welcome to the Thriving Rule Podcast. I'm Louise Wilde, your host for these conversations where we share stories, strategies and tips to help you build a thriving international life. So how well are you protected as an expat from a health insurance perspective? The pandemic has taken health and well-being right up the agenda for many people and for expats has emphasised the importance of understanding the local healthcare facilities, access, treatment, expertise and cost. And of course this varies considerably around the world and for this reason it's something that everyone needs to pay attention to. Whether you're covered by your assigning company's group international healthcare policy or by your own private one, the question is... How up-to-date are you with the range and scope of the cover? Perhaps now is the time to do a little review, and this podcast is designed to help you do just that. And if you're considering an international move but haven't yet gone, now's the time to think about medical care and what you need to put in place to cover the medical, healthcare, safety and security needs for you and your family. Now, this is one of a number of practical issues I recommend you think about before initiating an international move. They're all discussed in Chapter 3 of my book and structured around four areas of potential hotspots. With careful planning and preparation, many of these potential hotspots can be minimised or even mitigated altogether. You can buy a copy of Thriving Abroad, the definitive guide to professional and personal relocation success from Amazon and all good booksellers. So in this week's podcast, I turn to address this more practical aspect of relocation and focus the conversation on providing a guide to expat international health insurance. And to do that, I'm talking to David Tompkins, president of TFG Global Insurance Solutions Limited. Now, this is a highly practical conversation and relevant for all expats who are keen to ensure that they have the right healthcare insurance. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, David, and welcome to the Thriving Board Conversation. Great to have you joining us today. So perhaps just to start the conversation, just to give people an idea of of a bit about about you, where you're sitting, talking to us from today, and a little bit about what's led you to be working in the field that you work in, which is supporting the expats in insurance and their financial needs. That's great. A pleasure um, being available for your uh, chat today. Uh, yes, it's David Tompkins. I'm with uh, TFG Global Insurance Solutions, LTD. Uh, we own and operate uh, Expat Financial, which is basically our um, marketing arm for uh, international insurance for individual expatriates, as well as um, companies, multinationals, organizations, NGOs um, that are sending expatriates abroad. Um, basically, I been in the insurance business um, as a broker, independent insurance broker, uh, since um, 1991, um, based in um, Vancouver, um, British Columbia, Canada. But we work with clients uh, around most of the world. Um, got my start uh, in the expat side in um, around 2000. Uh, we had the, some corporate clients that needed some insurance for some clients that were operating in um, a pretty sketchy part of um, Africa at the time. Um, and we were able to source coverage for them. And then, you know, I thought, well, we should maybe uh, look at uh, starting a website. Um, and then a lot of it came, the services that we offer came from expatriates that were living abroad that or companies that 
uh, would ask, you know, do you do this? Do you do that? And so we would add the uh, the services. So, um, yeah, so as I said, we work with both corporate and uh, individual expats. Brilliant. Great. Well, so today for this conversation, then, a sort of highly practical one, really, for, for the audience, um, I want to really focus on health insurance, um, you know, something that is really, really important for anyone moving abroad, um, particularly brought into um, acute focus, I think, with the pandemic at the moment. And I want to look at it from two perspectives. So from the perspective of international organisations who are running or setting up and running group programmes for mobile employees, but then also to talk a little bit um, about how individual expats can go about organising their own insurance and what they should be thinking about as they talk to, to people like you um, about setting up the best plans for themselves. So let's start with the international organisation. Um, you know, I think the pandemic has certainly focused international organisations' attention on duty of care for their mobile employees. I mean, I think that existed before, but it has been brought into right up the agenda because of the pandemic. So when it comes to sort of healthcare, what do organisations need to be thinking about um, in terms of making sure that they're providing you know, the best support and benefits for their employees? Yes, I would say I agree with that. Um, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has certainly um, sharpened a focus on duty of care. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen most uh, most expatriate employers are definitely focused on on this topic, and as they should be. Uh, I've also seen that most global insurers that I work with have been quite proactive on the epidemic. Uh, most expat benefit plans do not have a pandemic exclusion; they will treat COVID as any other uh, illness. Um, right. Another issue is uh, medical evacuation. It's certainly mm-hmm. been made much more complex, such as evacuating an employee uh, to a country which has a travel restrictions. Um, right. From a business travel insurance perspective, which we also offer, uh, mm-hmm. only a few capable providers in the market are able to fully cover COVID-related claims. Right. Uh, th- then you also have the expatriates who are stranded and possibly um higher risk for those for employees around the world due to uh, the COVID pandemic, as you see possibly a social disorder, uh, more crime, et cetera. Uh, generally, um, if some people were stranded, if the employer had a, you know, a really good global benefit plan with international healthcare, then they mm-hmm. would normally put them on, on that plan. Um, right. And yeah, so it certainly has sharpened the focus of, of duty of care. But it's yeah. not just, you know, healthcare, you've got, you know, special risk insurance, can uh, and ransom, life insurance, disability. Um, yeah, they're all uh, important issues nowadays. So just thinking specifically for a moment about this pandemic issue, and, and just as you said, um, you know, so the COVID, being covered for COVID or pandemic related issues mm-hmm. for business travellers. I mean, I imagine that is quite a big issue for for many companies, um, because I'm, I'm just thinking about quarantine c- c- countries that have testing on entry, for example, which increasingly is happening, mm-hmm. you know, and, and suddenly discovering that you're COVID positive, say, as you enter a country, if you're going on business trip, for example, um, then you know, being sure that you are covered for that in that country and you have health cover for that is really important, I would imagine. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a separate travel insurance for 
mobile employees or tra- business travellers? Yes, uh, for business travel uh, coverage, um, those are uh, normally for employees that are going for less than six months, right. where you're going to be mm-hmm. keeping them on their um, on their domestic health insurance program. Mm-hmm. They're not becoming expats, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they were essentially going to be on something short term where they just need emergency care only. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, those are and usually you. As long as you provide the um, overall business travel over the coming year, you can usually get a policy that will uh, cover all business travel throughout the year for a single uh, premium. Right. Um, and it yeah. would include COVID within that. It should. Not all of them do, though, but it should. Okay. Okay. Well, it's kind of, that makes me think that it's perhaps something that people, companies need to be checking because I guess there probably are companies out there that are making some assumptions around what's covered for their, for their employees. Yeah, I mean, generally, if the employer got a uh, off-the-shelf, so to speak, a consumer-based travel insurance plan, there's a very good chance that it does not cover COVID. But if it's a really good right. business travel plan, um, it should cover um, okay. uh, COVID. But the other things it would cover, you know, would cover, does the plan cover war and terrorism? Does it cover um, pre-existing condition, medical conditions, those types of things? Mm-hmm. Can, generally, when you're pooling the risk, you can... Re- provide better rates and uh, superior coverage for business right. Okay, okay. I suppose that brings me on to my next question, which is, you know, I imagine um, companies, when they're putting together their sort of health insurance group programs, you know, there is a blanket approach to those. Um, and that, you know, covers the majority, I suppose, for the majority of normal risks. Um, but what, what challenges do you see companies facing in terms of exceptional risk or you know, different situations that you know, companies haven't covered? Do you, do you come across people who find themselves stuck somewhere uninsured because their group policy doesn't extend to that, that risk? Um, yeah, we do. We do come across it. You get situations where um, you have uh, an employee is being sent overseas and maybe their domestic, maybe their international health insurance plan does not cover um, uh, the, the person's pre-existing medical condition, which is usually the number mm-hmm. one way of an insurer getting out of paying a, a global health claim. Um, right. If it's mm-hmm. a good, if they, usually if you have enough people on the uh, on the plan, um, mm-hmm. and depending on the insurer, you should be able to cover the, the pre-existing conditions. Uh, so someone, you know, someone, even if you have someone you're hiring. You may do some sort of you know corporate medical plan uh, before they go abroad, but um, you know they might have high blood pressure, but it doesn't mean you're not going to hire them. But if they have a heart attack, uh, uh, the insurer might uh, you know not cover that claim because um, you know because it's a pre-existing condition. Another big one we find is that uh, someone's going abroad and their uh, partner is um, you know pregnant, and mm-hmm. their policy. That they might have in place might have a nine or twelve month waiting period for um, for pregnancy related expenses. Uh, but if they're part of a, a decent sized expat group, or depending on the plan, um, that waiting period should be able to be uh, to be waived. Um, right. Yeah. So it's it's certainly like situations where someone didn't take an expat assignment because the the global healthcare coverage was not sufficient or didn't cover. Their requirements. There have been situations where I've, right. I've seen, I've talked to um, 
individual expats and they mm. have, you know, they've been charged to get their own health coverage um, by the expat employer. And mm-hmm. because they had a pre-existing condition, um, they weren't uh, able to get, you know, uh, health coverage because all individual uh, expat health plans, they're all usually medically underwritten. So they may uh, cover you, cover you with a, a loading, a premium loading, nice. ex- mm-hmm. provide an exclusion uh, mm-hmm. for a pre-existing condition uh, or simply decline you. Um, whereas if you have a, a group expat plan, they usually those plans will cover everyone mm-hmm. uh, regardless of their, their medical history. Okay. Generally, if you have a decent enough size of a group, but right. th- that size depends on the insurer and the plans and where the policies domicile and quite a few yeah. factors. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if I, um, you know, an HR director just reviewing my healthcare plan at the moment, or perhaps looking for a new one, um, what are the broad categories of cover you would recommend I think about? Can you kind of give me a quick sort of, of the different areas? I mean, you mentioned including also life assurance and so on. So, you know, what, what kind of package do you recommend broadly a company starts with, starts, looks at and, and builds, builds up? <laughs> oh, on a, on a corporate level. I mean, generally there's yeah. varying levels of, of coverage for international healthcare for the employees. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the plans will either include or exclude uh, the United States. Um, and some plans will provide options for both because you might have an expat in the United States. You might have um, an American expatriate. They generally will want to have uh, want to be covered for medical treatment in the United States, and that certainly adds mm-hmm. to adds to your cost versus non uh, American expatriates. Mm-hmm. Um, and most will want to have a plan that fully covers uh, inpatient care, which is care you know in a in a hospital. Uh, outpatient care, wellness, um, you know, we should, we should cover chronic conditions. Uh, medical evacuation is obviously very key. Um, dental, vision, uh, international employee assistance programs uh, definitely become very, uh, uh, very popular um, and definitely a good part of your, your duty of care. Um, but, you know, generally they, as well, I would say most expat employers will provide a global health plan that does not have any um, deductibles. Um, right. There might be some cost sharing, but it certainly adds a bit of a complication. And I guess most expatriates, you know, you're, it is somewhat of a hardship sometimes and you're, you're going abroad. There's expectations that they won't have to uh, pay uh, much out of pocket. Mm. Uh, probably the, I think the biggest consideration um, is that uh, obviously you have the coverage with a well-known and respected insurer, uh, that has a really robust medical network around mm-hmm. the world. Um, that uh, the expat, if they're going to a hospital, uh, they can just show their card um, and get uh, direct reimbursement instead of having to pay out of pocket. I would say most expat employees hate to pay out of pocket, which we all probably do, but especially mm-hmm. with, um, I would say, expat employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then generally, obviously, the packages will include, you know, might include some life insurance accidental death and dismemberment. Uh, probably the standard is two or three times earnings. Um, some expat employees will also provide uh, long-term disability, uh, nice. but it's, I would find that's generally well overlooked for a lot of expat employers. Um, what else? I guess there's uh, also 
probably a very key component nowadays, especially with COVID, is uh, having a global benefit plan that includes telehealth. So if right. someone's got something minor, they don't have to go to a doctor's office um, mm -hmm. or a hospital for, for that. They can get some, uh, you know, call up a doctor on their uh, computer or iPhone mm -hmm. and uh, maybe show them a rash that they have, and then they can get some advice on, on next steps. So that's yeah. definitely become uh, more popular. Yeah, brilliant, great. That gives a good overview. And then, um, and then some of the additional things you were talking about with security risks. Um, yes, depending uh, on where people are being sent to, so the more dangerous areas of the world. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I would say for expat employers, uh, I would recommend that they not rely on their corporate business travel plans that may or may not have some kidnap and ransom coverage included um, because those plans are generally um, pretty deficient to put it to put it lightly um, right. they really won't do the job so you want to get a um, comprehensive special risk program that doesn't just cover um, kidnap and ransom which is obviously key but it would cover things such as disappearance um, security evacuation uh, as well as extortion, threats, express kidnapping, all that type of thing. Uh, something right. you know, pretty comprehensive because it's, it's in, and we've you know, I've had some clients unfortunately impacted by uh, these situations. Mm. Um, they, uh, it's usually not the the ransom is usually not that big. You know, it might be, you know, if there's some part of um, uh, some sketchy part of the world, if you want to put it that way. Um, the the ransom might only be, you know, come out at the end of the day, only, you know, 100,000 or 200,000, for example. But it's mm -hmm. the consulting fees uh, that are, you know, that are paid by the insurer. Um, right. Those can add up to, you know, a million, two million dollars, because you might have to send someone, some mm -hmm. uh, uh, negotiator, coordinator um, into that country for months, maybe even a year or two. Uh, to, right. Uh, uh, you know, get a successful return of the uh, of that expat uh, right. employer or business traveler. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that gives us a really good overview of what should be being thought about. And I think perhaps a reminder for all employees, even though your company you know, provides you with a group policy, to take the time to really understand what's actually covered within that, and make sure that if you have special medical risks, that you you know that those you know that those will be covered for you um because you know it, it's easy to assume that it's there but if you haven't checked it you know you, you may find it's not okay so turning to individual expats then um you know there there's a huge array of policies and um, benefits on offer and it can be quite mind-boggling when you start to research it for yourself um, what are the mistakes that you see um, expats making when they start you know, doing their own research and thinking about how they cover themselves? Um, I guess some of, some of the common mistakes uh, when you're talking about uh, individual international health insurance, uh, they, you know, they might get a policy that uh, doesn't cover pregnancy-related expenses, Mm -hmm. uh, because usually with the plans, they are sold um, usually like three levels, for example, a silver, gold, and platinum. And maybe the gold and platinum might have uh, cover pregnancy-related expenses that um, mm -hmm. uh, will cover them 
after a nine month or 12 month waiting period. Mm-hmm. And so that's one. So if, if, if you or your partner may become pregnant, uh, there's a, even a, a faint chance you might want to get a policy that uh, covers uh, pregnancy related expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think as well, I mean, sometimes expats will, um, we deal with a lot of expatriates that go down to the Caribbean, for example, right. or Mexico. Sometimes they will, you know, for cost reasons, and it's understandable that they won't get a policy that covers the United States. But I think if you can't afford it, it's a good idea if you're living in those regions to get a policy that fully covers medical treatment in the United States, because mm-hmm. it's a good chance um, if you get something really serious that the local country uh, may or may not be able to adequately um, treat you. So you're going right. to want to go somewhere where you can be treated and the nearest place might be, for example, even the Caribbean, you might be going to Miami um, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. medical treatment. Yeah. Um, so that's a, you know, it's certainly a key consideration. Um, I mean, ultimately it's really, you, you get what you pay for. Um, mm-hmm. Generally you will get, if the more you probably paying, the better off the coverage uh, usually is. I mean, there's some variations, mm-hmm. but you know, I would say just get the best coverage that you can uh, uh, certainly afford. Yeah. Um, another common mistake is that you, um, we find people that will get um, emergency travel medical insurance, even though they're living abroad for a year or more. Um, those kind of, again, travel insurance is really uh, just emergency only. It doesn't cover you back in your country of citizenship, where mm-hmm. a lot of people would want to get treated or will be visiting. And generally, if you're an expat, you're going to be losing your uh, domestic coverage in your country of citizenship. Um, yeah. or the pl- domestic plans there don't cover you outside uh, that country's citizenship. So mm-hmm. uh, you would want to get a, a plan, uh, a, you'll go for a global health plan um, mm-hmm. if you're going to be abroad for at least uh, at least a year or more. Um, right. You know, some expats uh, will also, uh, you know, possibly they'll just go on the domestic plan in the country they're going to. And, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice, you have to. And sometimes it is a very good choice depending on the country you're in. Um, but um, more often than not, expats are uh, globally mobile. So the problem is if you um, go to that uh, country, go on the domestic plan, you didn't get an international plan, and you go to a new uh, country, uh, that policy won't be portable. So you you would want to, in that situation, would, would should have probably got a, a global health yeah. plan. Yeah, and then portable. you would start again in a new country. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and I guess one of the things that I, you know, having had internet and policies when we've we've been abroad, you know, the mm-hmm. annual discussion over rates. I mean, every year there seems to be an increase in premium, and we always seem to trade <laughs> excess for premium, you know, reduce or to maintain yes, our premium, right. we trade excess, and so in the end you end up with ridiculous excesses. Any advice or recommendations about how how people deal with that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about um, medical insurance in general and, and international is the same. There's a, a global trend of, you know, somewhere, but, you know, depending on the insurer or, you know, maybe 9%, 11%, sometimes even higher, depending on the countries mm-hmm. that you're in. Um, so you will see that that rate creep from uh, the insurers. Um, you also, you know, of course, the, the rates are also dependent on where you are. Uh, and also how old you are. And as you, people age, uh, their mm-hmm. rates go up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, as you say, the, the best, um, 
you know, sometimes if you were starting out, for example, at a platinum level, you might reduce the plan to a gold level. Um, the insurers will generally allow you to reduce coverage without asking any medical questions or underwriting. But if once you increase coverage, they will want to ask medical questions and the, the change may, will be subject to, to, add a, you know, to your uh, medical evidence. Um, but certainly, as you say, deductibles will be a way of, um, of uh, reducing your coverage. But I'm always very cautious people that they, that they should be cautious about changing plans, especially if they have developed a, a new pre-existing condition. You have to be careful about um, changing to a new insurer because that new insurer may decide, you know, may exclude that condition that was covered under your old policy, mm-hmm. or they may, you know, decline you. So definitely be careful when you're, you're changing uh, health insurers. It's always an option, but I, I definitely be careful. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, one of the things that has always been an issue and so talked about is the whole claims experience. And I think often rather than the, the, argue, the discussion of the benefits of the different policies, mm-hmm. it comes down to what's their claim experience like. As, um, in my experience, some will be horrendous and others better. And um, what tips do you have for people about managing the claims experience? Because I guess the whole way in which you approach it will help. Um, do you have any tips on for expats? Oh, that? sure. D- I will definitely try to give you something. Um, in the event of a medical claim, you or your family members should contact the insurer as soon as possible to arrange for mm-hmm. a direct payment or reimbursement of the hospital claims. Um, most outpatient claims, unless you're going to a provider in the insurer's network, are paid by the insured and then submitted. The claim should be submitted online or offline, mm-hmm. but online is always better because uh, it'd be a lot faster, you know, especially relying on, on the mail. Um, especially if you can have the, the payment wired to your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, the uh, Again, that's why you, you generally want to go with a, a global health insurer that has a very large medical network. And you can usually ask to, you know, if you're in uh, going to be in Cartagena, for example, um, you might ask well, the, the provider or the inter- international insurance broker uh, which insurers have the best network there. Because mm-hmm. um, that's definitely going to make your life easier if you do have, uh, if you do have a claim. Um, mm-hmm. If that, but again, a lot of, um, medical facilities around the world just don't, uh, for whatever reason, you know, they just don't have any international connections. They don't want to deal with uh, health insurers. You mm. may have to pay out of pocket, but sometimes you can also call the insurer and ask for a guarantee of payment. Um, right. That's mm-hmm. essentially a letter that would be provided to the facility that, you know, look, this person's insured. They're going to be, um, uh, they're going to be covered and we're going to guarantee that we're going to pay you for their claims. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But also it also makes a good idea to even to get getting the health insurer in place, especially if they're a good one, they can maybe provide second opinions. Maybe they would recommend a different facility. Maybe they mm-hmm. would say, no, maybe you shouldn't get that treatment. Um, you should get a different treatment and may not be because of reduced costs. It may be because, you know, the, the treatment that the facility are in that they're recommending is, not advisable. Okay. Um, maybe you should mm-hmm. get that done elsewhere, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as maybe you need to be uh, medically evacuated. Right. So always involve your the insurer in the conversation around um, 
right from the beginning so that you're yeah I, I think through so, the yes. treatment options and, and what's available and whether that's right for you yeah okay definitely okay um anything else that you think people need to know about arranging their own insurance or have we covered it all um, I would say, uh, yeah, again, most of these, most of these global health plans for individual expats, they're usually, again, mm -hmm. they're still, they're usually two or three or four levels. Mm -hmm. uh, most plans will um, allow you to get the base level coverage, which is anything done in a hospital. Then you add the outpatient care, the wellness care, um, the vision or dental. Um, mm -hmm. And again, you have different deductibles. You would be covered globally, excluding or including the U.S. Or maybe if you're in Africa, there's some insurers that will just cover you in Africa. Yeah. Um, some expats we find uh, are that are in um, developing countries where local medical care, especially outside of hospitals, really inexpensive. They to save money, they will go with a policy that uh, just covers inpatient care, right. uh, and then they mm -hmm. would self-insure mm -hmm. uh, the outpatient care because the outpatient. Yeah. Um, modules um, that you can add to your policies certainly add to the add to the mm. costs quite significantly. Mm. Um, so uh, that's something that we do see a lot uh, yeah. for some yeah. expense. Obviously, you get a large deductible because you want to essentially self-insure uh, mm. the first, you know, three hundred, one thousand, even up. I see some expats that just get it like a ten thousand dollar deductible. Right, um, mm. they're yeah. comfortable with uh, with that risk but they want to cover anything, you know, really big claims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, certainly that's what we've done always, that we've paid the, you know, the, the first consultation or second, you know, up until it gets taken further into investigations and then covered by the insurance. So, yeah, um, yeah one way of keeping prices down, yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say definitely, you know, more often than not, you should get um, medical evacuation as an option. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Again, especially if you're living in a, a region that has, uh, you know, substandard medical care. Okay, well, that, that is really helpful. So um, some, some very helpful guidance there for people who are thinking about insurance. And, um, yeah, I just underline that it's really important to take the time to do the research to make sure you are properly covered. Having lived abroad a number of times and um, at times had company policies and others had to do it ourselves and you know there have been times and we were very very pleased that we had our private medical insurance and um yeah mm -hmm. and we weren't living sure. you know we were living in europe actually so we could in theory have you know, have, have been treated in 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 the countries we were living in through the agreement with the uk the european union but we still had private medical insurance and that access certainly eased quite a number of situations for us so definitely worth thinking about and investigating so if people would like to get in touch with you to talk about their insurance needs can you direct them you know, to your website or um, email and um, how can they yeah, get sure. in touch with you that's great yeah we uh, offer our individual expatriate plans via expatfinancial.com where they can submit a quote request call or email us, Skype even, uh, the requirements, um, get a quote and apply online for the international health, and plan, health insurance plans that we offer from some very large and well-respected global insurance providers. Uh, we are an independent insurance advisor. We are paid by the insurer that you choose. So the uh, clients get the same rates and coverage 
premiums are payable direct to the, ins to the insurance provider. Uh, but they also have us as an advocate both before and after they, uh, they purchase from the insurer. Uh, so we're advocate down the road. If there is a claims issue potentially, then we can certainly advocate on their behalf. Um, Expat Financial, which is a division of THG Global Insurance Solutions Ltd., which is our, our corporate entity, mm -hmm. also works with a wide variety of expat employers around the world to examine their global insurance needs, obtain quotes in the market, advocate, and assist uh, global mobility managers in their duty of care responsibilities as it relates to um, global insurance. Uh, we have a lot of experience as well in, in assisting clients in very high risk regions around the globe, including sourcing uh, special risk coverage, which is, as we mentioned earlier, things like kidnap and ransom, um, terrorism coverage, et cetera. So yeah, we definitely, they can give us a call as well at uh, our corporate email is info at tfggloba.com or info at tfgglobal. Um, okay. Great. Brilliant, great. Okay, well, I will put all those um, websites and, and links on the show notes, well, the blog post that goes with this episode, which can be found at thrivingabroad.com. Um, so go there and look for this episode. And um, and yeah, get in touch if you have any insurance needs. Thank you. So thank you very much for your time today. No, it's really been a, a pleasure um, uh, talking to you today. And uh, hopefully we can be a service to some of your expats. Uh, in the near future. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thanks so much for listening today. Remember to access the blog post and transcript, go to thrivingabroad.com and look for episode 72. And do get in touch with me if there's anything I can do to support you in your international journey. You can email me, louise at louisewiles.com. And while you're on the website, thrivingabroad.com, please register and sign up for the Thriving Abroad newsletter so that I can keep you up to date with all the Thriving Abroad news. Thank you once again to David for joining us today. Remember, you can go and learn more about his services at expatfinancial.com. That's expatfinancial.com. I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Abroad podcast series. Meanwhile, take care, stay well, wherever you are in the world. Bye-bye for now. Bye.